We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Uh, Let's go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 3. This has been an interesting, this is a letter Paul wrote to a young man named Titus who, uh, he's a Greek man, and Paul being a Jewish man, uh, he's writing to this young man about what it looks like to continue to be a faithful community of people in Crete, this island that was known for being liars, for being uh, drunkards and gluttons, and for being lazy. Uh, They didn't have a great reputation as far as doing good works in the world. And most of this letter has been about what it looks like to do good works. Not, though, because that's what saves you. Not because that's what makes you acceptable before God. Not because that's what makes you a good and worthy person. But because, this letter has been saying, because of what God has done for you. How do you live in response to that? in the midst of this culture around you. So that's been the the kind of the thrust of this message here. And we're going to close it out today. Read with me or follow along in Titus 3. Remind them, he's saying, remind the people he was just talking about. Chapter 2, he said, the old women, the young women, the old men, the young men. So everybody who's trying to follow Jesus, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law, because those are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, for you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. This is God's word. Father, we ask that as we look into your word this morning, as we read a letter that was written to another country on another continent in a whole other era of time, that your spirit would speak to us today through it. 
God, we know that you are here, you are present, you are alive and active in your world, and we pray that you would be at work in our hearts today. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want you to imagine with me that you're at home, maybe as a child, those of you who aren't children anymore, in your childhood home, and you walk outside the door of your neighborhood, and you walk onto the street, and you hear this. Am I taking you back? What is it? Ice cream truck. Some of you got really excited. I saw like the glint in your eye right away, right? Ice cream truck. No, there's not one outside right now. I'm sorry. That would have been a cool surprise. I missed that opportunity. Uh, But ice cream truck, of course it is, right? When you see a truck driving down the street and it's playing that music, you know exactly what's on the truck, don't you? Well, in Quito last week, I heard that sound a number of times. Uh, And it was a truck driving through the neighborhoods. Only they didn't have ice cream on those trucks. They had gasoline. (laughs) The gas truck would drive through the neighborhoods playing that music, saying, hey, I have gas. Come and get it. Come and get it. I guess what they used to do was just honk the horn like the whole time they were driving through. And the city eventually made a mandate, you can't do that anymore because of noise pollution. And so they gave them the song to start playing. And it sounds a lot like ice cream truck music. What happens in, in the homes is they don't have gas. Like they need gas to heat everything up. And so when this truck comes by, they go, oh, we need gas. We need warm showers, right? There's propane and gas on, on these trucks. We need warm showers with the propane. We, we need to fuel our cars. And so they run out and you could buy like a 40 pound thing for $3.50 and then take it back into your home. Now, coming from the States, thinking I knew what that sound was, I thought, like, this is, this, I know exactly what this is. Brian asked me one day, like, the third time I heard it, he's like, you know what that is? And I was like, of course I do. He's like, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't. You think you know, but you don't really know. Because what I was doing is I was taking my culture, my cultural experiences, my context, and I was imparting it onto the experience I was having in a whole different place, right? It's, when we come to this letter of Titus, it's kind of like we're coming into it thinking we know what we're reading, and then we take it and we apply it to our context, and it's kind of like ingesting gasoline because you think you're getting a sweet treat. Now, in, in Quito, that was a, they needed that. They need these gas trucks going around, Right? but it's a whole different context. The words that Paul's writing to Titus about how people should live in Crete, they needed it said a certain way. And oftentimes what we do is we take it that way and we apply it to our context. And so you get things like last week, which Anthony did a great job of handling chapter two, last week when he says that women should be, and we get this translation, busy in their homes. And our context is, yeah, you better be cleaning and making me a sandwich, right? Nobody walked out right now? That was amazing. Good job, guys. (laughs) But actually, and Anthony did a great job spelling this out for me. I didn't even listen to the message yet, but he was telling me the other day. 
of how that, that word actually uh, got transliterated. And it was a combination of two different Greek words. And what it meant was that actually you're, you're caring for and guarding over the home. Not just being busy at work doing womanly things, right? But no, no, uh, that a, a, a woman should be not going out into the streets and finding young men to be with as was happening in Crete in that time these new liberated Roman women, but no, no, caring for your own home, taking care of it and watching guard over it. That's a whole different thing, right? But we hear that music and we go, I know that tune. I know that tune. And you start ingesting gasoline. And that's really what it has felt like, I think, for many people when you start dumping that onto somebody and saying, this is what you need to do to be a Christian. This is what you need to do to be a follower. And I think what we actually want to uncover here is there's something much more beautiful being said. Because what I could do is start with the very beginning of chapter three here to remind you guys to submit to rulers and authorities, right? And, and as elders of the church, Anthony and I just want you guys to know we're your authorities and you need to submit. Still nobody walked out. That was amazing. <laughs> But that's like trying to get you to ingest gasoline. That's, that's not what this is saying, right? That's not at all what's happening here. I've heard it taught that way before. But actually, again, uncovering, getting into the context of what's happening there and finding something much more beautiful. The people of Quito needed a gasoline truck. I need an ice cream truck right now. Right? There's different contexts. And so what, what is really the heart of this? What's been the heart, not just of chapter three, but of the whole letter so far? And so I want you to go with me. Let's, don't worry, the ruler of authorities part, we can, we can come back to that if you want to, but let's look at what is the heart. Verse four, when the kindness of who? When the kindness of God our Savior. Like, who has the most authority in all the world? Who rules and reigns over all of heavens and earth? You can answer, this is an open book test. Who is it? <laughs> yeah. And you can say, I heard God, I heard Jesus. Yes and yes, okay? Because you know what Paul does throughout, uh, in every single chapter, he very meticulously says, God our Savior, and then follows it with Jesus our Savior. He does it in every single chapter. And so you can find it here, verse four, when the kindness of God our Savior, right? And if you jump down with me, verse six, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He's very meticulously saying, this is one and the same. Jesus has come from God. He is the full image of God, and he is restoring us to God. Jesus has the full authority of God. So who rules and reigns over all the world? Who is the authority, ultimate authority? God, Jesus, yes, right? And it's saying when that ruler, that authority showed his kindness to us. There's a scripture that says, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. 
that leads us to turn away from this way of life that we thought would be good for us, but it's actually leading to destruction, to turn away from that and turn toward a kind and loving and good God who has come to rescue. If we wanna talk about submitting to rulers and authorities, let's talk about what that authority looks like. The authority of God moves toward you in kindness, in love, and compassion, and actually gives himself over to the death that we deserved so that you could be saved. So if I were to stand up here and harp on verse one, that you guys need to submit to rulers and authorities, I better be living that out too. I better be living in the way that Jesus does. And guess what? I don't do that very well all the time, right? But let let us submit, church as a whole, to the loving, kind authority of God. This is the thrust of this message. When the kindness of God, our Savior, our Rescuer, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. How did he save us? Well, Paul says, not by works of righteousness that we had done. Did God wait for you to get your act cleaned up first? Did he go, you know, like, I really, I think you'd be good on my team, but you got this one problem over here no one knows about, right? You keep doing this over here. Did he wait for you to figure that out? Not by righteousness that you had done on your part. That's not why he saved you. But according to his mercy. This is, this is the whole premise, not just of the book of Titus, you guys, but of our entire faith. Our entire faith is centered around this truth. And anytime we start to get that twisted and mixed up and think that when we do good things, then God is approving of us, we've just ascribed to a whole different faith in religion. That's a false gospel. And Paul said one time in another letter, hey, if anybody, including myself or even angels, messengers from heaven, start preaching a different gospel than what was preached, let them be cursed. Anytime we start to get that twisted and think it's the other way around that if we do enough good deeds, then God will come and rescue us. That's a false gospel. And let his kindness lead us to repentance. Turn away from that way of thinking because that will lead you to destruction. That will lead you to burdens. That will lead you to despair. That will lead you to feeling like you will never get it right. You will never be enough. Turn, repent, and look to the good news that when the kindness of God, our Savior, showed up in his love for humanity, he rescued us, not because of anything you've done, but because of his mercy. Amen? That's the thrust of it, right there. If we get the rest of this wrong, if we misunderstand the culture of Crete and what it means for a woman to be busy at home or how we should you know, submit to rulers and authorities, like we could get stuff wrong, but let us not get that wrong. Let us not miss that. And I'm willing to admit, like, sometimes we, we could misunderstand some of this text, right? But that's clear, is it not? That's clear. 
That's what we cling to. He goes on and he says, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by who? The Holy Spirit. Again, not by anything you've done. By the Holy Spirit. Do you see how he's woven in the Trinity here, right? The Father, the Son, the Spirit. God is our Savior, Jesus Christ, which means the, the Messiah, the King, our Savior, the ones with authority. And it's his Holy Spirit who has washed and made us clean, who has rescued us. This is God at work in the fullness. Verse six, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly. So catch that. You've just been rescued according to his mercy through the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And now what has just, or who has just been poured out and given to you abundantly? The Holy Spirit. Verse six, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the God who has all authority in heaven and on earth, the ruler and reigner over all things, who has done the work to rescue us from our sin, from our illnesses, and from our death that we deserve, he has the power to undo all that. That God who washed you and made you clean now is with you. And not just like sometimes with you. Not just like here and there, like, sure, I'll help you through this problem when you hit one and you start praying and calling out to me, right? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit has been given to you abundantly. I know that's a big word, but like, it's a big word. (laughs) It's a lot. Like, just lavished on you. Again, another word we don't often use. Like, a lot given to you as much as you can stand and more. The Holy Spirit who made you new and alive and right standing before God is with you always. You have his presence. So when things do get hard, yes, you can call out to him. But also, like when you're filling up from the ice cream truck and life's good, like he's still there with you. All good things are from him too the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of this saving, rescuing God who rules and reigns over all things is with you. It's good news. Verse seven, why did he do this? So that having been justified by his grace, not by, again, not by your works, by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. So why? Why did God rescue you? Why has he loved you? Why has his spirit been poured out on you? So that you can live your best life now. So that you can get that promotion at work you want, right? So that life can be good and comfortable. No, why? so that you and I, as we go through this world with all of its hard things, with all of its problems, with all of its brokenness, that we would be bringers of hope. We're heirs of the hope of eternal life. 
when there's people around us who are suffering from death, and I'm not just talking about physical death, right? We will all feel that someday. But what, what did Jesus come and do and rescue us from? From eternal death and separation from him. We have now, we are heirs. Like we inherit the hope of eternal life. And so that the people around us who don't have that hope yet, we get to come and bring that hope. You're saved, not because of anything you've done, but listen, when you're saved, you are given a purpose. You are given a role in the kingdom of God. You are given a job. Again, I don't want us to flip that, right? I don't want us to get like this thing in our head of like the more good things we do for the kingdom, the more God will be pleased with us. That is just not true. We are saved not by our righteousness, but by God's mercy and grace so that you could start walking in it. And Paul echoes this all the time, right? Listen, this was a dude who was constantly trying to prove his own righteousness. As a, a Jewish man, as what he said, a Pharisee among Pharisees, like he was one of the teachers of the law. And if he was trying to like, stack up in his column like a list of things that would maybe get him to heaven. (laughs) He was doing a pretty good job of it. But when he met Jesus, all of that changed. And when the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus revealed himself to Paul, he completely changed. That, That script got flipped upside down. And Paul went around then being a bringer of hope of eternal life, not by your righteousness, but by God's grace. Now, live in that. And so elsewhere, we see this. And and I'm just going to give you one example right now. In Ephesians 2, I think I have that on the slide, Patrick. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, he says this to the church in Ephesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Is this sounding familiar? It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So do you catch what he did right there? You weren't saved by your good works. You were saved by grace. You were saved for good works, though. Good works are still part of the deal, right? Righteousness is still part of the deal. Like living in a way that is honoring God and loving people is very much a part of the deal. That's not how you earn it, though. You can do nothing to earn it but God has saved you through his work, the work of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus through the power of the spirit so that now you too have the power to walk in the good works that he prepared ahead of time. Like he already has the whole map laid out, right? Like he's done the heavy lifting. You just walk in it. You just go, okay, God, like, I have, I have the spirit of God abundantly with me and you've told me how to live in a way that honors you and loves people. 
and just start walking it out. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's that simple. It's that simple. The reason it's not easy is because we often forget the kindness and mercy of the God, our Savior, who rescued us, right? And we get distracted by the cares of the world. And we forget sometimes when we turn to things that we think are going to satisfy us, how good and satisfying the love of our God is. And so it's not easy. But this is why we gather regularly, to remind one another, right? This is why we do things like share evidences of grace. This is why we live life together outside of Sundays so that as we continue to see one another and as we continue to look at his word, and as we continue to pray and spend time with the spirit who is always with us, we would always be reminded how good and how much better it is to walk in the power and the love of God. Because when we step outside of that and we start walking in something else, it gets really hard to do good. Peter, or I'm sorry, Paul also wrote this in Galatians 6, verse 9. He says, let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Listen, he, he also knew this is a hard world to live in. There is brokenness around us. There are struggles in life. Those don't magically go away when you start following Jesus. And sometimes when you're doing good works, it feels like you get nothing in return, doesn't it? But again, what, what I just said right there, we're forgetting. We're not doing good works to earn something for ourselves. We have already been given the grace and the mercy and the salvation of God, the hope of eternal life, that even though you will face the hardship of death one day, that you won't stay there. Just like when Jesus went into the grave and did not stay there, but rose on the third day through the power of the Holy Spirit, who has now been given abundantly to you and I, that you too will rise to the newness of life and live eternally, free from all the hardships of this world, free from all the brokenness, from all the cares and the distractions of this world, but present with the kind, good, merciful, gracious, loving God who saved you. And with one another. And we'll feast and we'll party and it's gonna be incredible. You've already been given that. So yeah, when you do good work sometimes, it feels like you don't get anything in return. You have already been given all you need and all you could ever ask for. It's already in your account. It's already been credited to you and you didn't have to do anything for it. So when we go and we love other people, even when they don't seem to love us in return, we're fueled not by their reaction and response to us. We're fueled by the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, the loving God who loves us tremendously. And so we can love people who don't do anything in return for us because we remember how a God who we did nothing for loved us first. We love because he first loved us. This is the message. So that having been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the hope of eternal life. 
He says, this saying is trustworthy. Like, I, I want you to believe this. Remember, Cretans, they were known for being liars and they valued that, right? You lie and manipulate to get what you want. He's saying, no, no, you can trust this. It's true. I want you to insist on these things. He doesn't say, I want you to insist on the earlier stuff, like, obeying authority, right? I want you to insist on how women should do this in the household and slaves should do this. He says, this stuff right here, this is what you insist on. You insist on this kind of loving God. Insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. And there it is again. That we don't just get saved and go, okay, good. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm free to go. Whatever happens with the rest of y'all, I don't know, right? But no, 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 we now get called to emulate this Jesus who has given everything for us. From the very beginning of this story, we were made in the image of this God to be reflections and representatives of this God that we would live in such a way that we show what he's like. And so let us continue to do that. Let us not grow tired of living in a way where it shows the kind mercy and grace of the Jesus who rescued us to the world around us. Amen? That's, that's Titus. That's the story of the Bible. That's what we're called into. Don't try to leave this place and do that in your own strength and in your own power that will be a burden. Remember you leave this place with the Holy Spirit of God given abundantly to you. Walk in those works that God has prepared ahead of time. Let's pray.